Hello, and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Maryville here in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can visit our website to find out more information about our church or to find our full audio archive with all of our messages. So you can find all of that at www.vineyardchurch.us, or you can also subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. My name is Aaron. Welcome to the Vineyard. Really glad that you're here. Big day at the Vineyard. A lot going on. A lot of information to give you. But first, deep breath. Let's say a prayer. Let's welcome the presence of the Lord. And then we'll dive in. King Jesus, oh, we love you so much. It's so good to be in this place. It's so good to be with your people. It's so good to worship you. To delight in who you are and what you have done in us, for us. What you, over the last 18 years have done through us and through the life of this church. We have so much to celebrate, King Jesus. We have so much to celebrate. Um, And as we look at big picture stuff today, big, big picture things, Lord, we have so much to celebrate. But ask for just this moment, can we really zero in, Lord, on small picture? Because this is just us and you in the presence of the Lord. We you have something, I believe, to say to each of us, something for each of us. We don't want to miss it. Would you make us, each of us individually aware of your presence in this place? It's not just a gathering. This isn't just a room. These aren't just people. These are the saints of God in the presence of God for the glory of God. So, Lord, would you let your kingdom come and your will be done in this very room, even as it is in heaven. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. Uh, Like I said, big day uh, in our church. We are starting our first ever capital campaign. We've never done this before. I know it's been 18 years. This is our first because uh, we are preparing for our upcoming move to 1225 William Blunt Drive, which I just for the first time recognized that that rhymes. (laughs) Like it just hit me right then. Um, 1225 William Blunt Drive. Look, there we go. That's clever. It is one mile down the road from uh, where we're sitting right now. More space, more land, lots of, lots of steps forward. We'll get to that. Um, next Sunday, by the way, we're going to hand everyone a booklet, and that booklet's going to have lots of information about all of the things, okay? But here's the summary, okay? We have been in this building now for 11 years, okay? If you moved here with us, then you probably find that stunning. It's been 11 years. We outgrew this building about 10 years ago. It's been, a, we, it's been about 10 years since we've outgrown this building. Um, so we've done lots of stuff. We've added services. We've sent out leaders. We've released venues. Uh, we have, like, done all the things, and yet we have continued to bump up against the limitations of this property. We're grateful for it, and yet we have maxed it out. There's just not enough square footage to grow, not enough land to build, and so we felt stuck for a number of years. Three services, you know, it's a busy place, um, but uh, we are celebrating, as I said, a new opportunity um, on August 31st, we moved or we purchased uh, that building, which is much larger. It sits on almost eight acres of land rather than the two that we have here. So uh, room to grow, room even if the Lord should lead at one point down the road um, to build. So suddenly the doors are open like crazy. So we're really grateful for this opportunity. And after years and years, trust me, years of looking for the next place that our church might land, 
And honestly, it still seems a little bit too good to, tr to be true for us to make this huge leap in terms of space and not even leave William Blunt Drive to do it. That feels like such a gift from the Lord. And I know I've said it many times. I'm going to say it many more. Just rejoicing right across the street from William Blunt High School. I was sitting in William Blunt High School, 15 years old. God told me to plant a church, and I thought I want to plant one right here. And then um, here we are all these years later. Um, it's just we're rejoicing in what God has done and is doing. It's been a lot. Now, some of the details. We bought this, this building down the road. Uh, we bought it for $2.125 million, which is an enormous number, I know, and yet an absolutely fantastic deal. We just bought it way, way under market, and we're still celebrating about that. We're celebrating lots of stuff. We bought it way under market. We're celebrating that. There are lots of renovations for us to do on the property, inside, outside, all around. There's just a lot of things that we're going to move around and redo and um, add to. There's lots to be done. Um, it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be incredible when we are done, when we are done. Um, and as you can see on the side behind me, we estimate the total cost of the entire project to be $3.5 million. That's a lot, I know, but let me explain um, that magical minus $1.5 million. Let me explain that part of the slide. Uh, we own this building outright. Uh, we've been celebrating, here in the last year or so, we've celebrated the fact that we were able to pay this place off entirely. We closed on the sale of this building two days ago. We have sold this building for $1.5 million. Ooh, that helps a lot. That helps a whole lot. That's a big, big difference. Um, so we're really celebrating about that. That number is a really good number for us. Um, that's great news. And here's, honestly, for all the stuff, I, I have such peace that God is going to provide and his hands are in all of this. So, like, I, I haven't been very concerned at all about the numbers. I'm celebrating that we sold this building to River Oaks Community Church. So um, River Oaks is just a beautiful expression of the body of Christ. I love these people. They are kingdom people. They are, they are family. They are, I mean, we love this church. They're different than us, of course, and like, not every church is the same, and there's a couple of things, but like big picture, guys, these are absolutely kingdom people. We celebrate their ministry. Uh, we Over the years, we've sent lots of people to River Oaks, and people are like, y'all are a little weird for me. I'm like, I got a place. River Oaks is a great place for you to land if we're a little weird for you. Um, so it's just a great church. I'm so excited uh, for the sake of the kingdom for this side of Blount County, okay, because this is going to be a second location for them. And so we're just, it's, it's all good. It's all good. So, but we sold, on, we sold the building. We no longer own this property, which means we move out next week. That's not true. Um, <laughs> seeing if you're paying attention. Uh, we also leased the property back for them for up to a year, Okay. So we're going to stay here until we're ready to move, okay? That'll, that'll be fine. And that might make you want to know, okay, Aaron, when are we going to be ready to move? And then my answer is, guys, look me in the eye. I love you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not keeping anything from you. Like if you pull me aside afterwards and you're like, no, Aaron, really, you can trust me. Tell me how long it's going to take. And I'm going to, bottom of my heart, I just don't know. I don't know. Um, a year seems like a, a really safe window to work within. It, it could take longer. We do not anticipate that. Um, that feels like a pretty safe number. Could it be before that? For sure. Will we celebrate if it's before that? Right on. For sure. Uh, but and when I say I don't know, that's not like code for I, I actually know, but I'm not telling you. I just don't know. 
So because of that, we, we actually have, um, we can exit the lease early if we want to. So if we are done ahead of that time frame, which would be glorious and we'll celebrate it, um, then we can exit the lease because they're eager to move into the building they just bought. So um, that's the details on that. And if you think about it, if you were in our spot, in, and you are in our spot, this is a family, um, that's like exactly what we needed, right? Um, to sell our property um, and then still have access to our property for an indefinite amount of time, not knowing which. And then for somebody to come in, they sought us out. Uh, we never listed this property. They sought us out. Um, the timing of it all worked out. It's pure coincidence, but I'm gonna, I think it's a little something more spiritual than that, that we got to close two days ago right before we started the campaign. It just feels like God's doing stuff and moving all the sliders and twisting all the knobs. So it feels pretty, uh, feels pretty good. But anyway, that leaves, we tried to make, I was like, Johnny, I know that the numbers are more precise than this, but I want you to get the numbers down, like round them so that I can understand it. And I was like, look me in the eyes, Johnny. What can Aaron understand? And this is what we came up with. Uh, and I was like, okay, it took me a second, but I got it. So um, $3.5 million total cost of the project, $1.5 million uh, in the bank because we sold this property. And so now that leaves $2 million less left for us to uh, raise moving forward. Now, let me tell you how we're going to approach this. And we're going to ask uh, people in our church family to give in two ways. All right, one, um, that you would give a, a one-time gift um, at the end of this campaign. So nobody's, nothing's happening today, okay? Uh, but at the end of this campaign, a one-time gift and uh, to uh, give a pledge for, to give above and beyond your normal giving uh, for a three-year period. Okay, so that's what we're asking folks to consider. That's really the question we're putting in front of you. What could you give as a one-time gift? And how might the Lord lead you to give uh, as a pledge above and beyond your normal giving for three years? I, and I do want to just highlight once again, that is above and beyond our normal giving. Um, please continue to give. You guys are so generous and faithful. Um, God has always provided for us financially. I, am, I have a remarkable amount of peace um, about all of this. But that would need to be in addition to your normal giving because... We just went from not having a mortgage or a lease payment, and now we have a mortgage and a lease payment. That's very different from month to month. So please continue giving. Uh, so we're talking about a three-year pledge on top of what you may be able to give um, as a one-time gift at the end of this campaign. And the goal is that at the end of that campaign, at the end of those three years, we would be completely debt-free, which would be absolutely remarkable. And that is, I believe, well within our reach. Let me tell you why. Our church's annual giving just at this location and uh, just to the general fund is right around a million dollars annually. Okay? The people who do these, there's like consultants who are like, hey, we'll, we'll charge you some, but we'll come and tell you how to run a campaign like this. We didn't hire one of those, by the way. We didn't even consider it. But here's what they all say. They say that a campaign like this one typically will be able to raise 1.5 to three times your church's annual giving to the general fund. Okay? And so our target is two times our, our annual giving. Um, so that puts us well within that range and even to the lower end of the range. Now, if you didn't follow all that, that's okay. I just said all that to say it's a goal that is well within our reach and that I think we can do. And this, this opportunity to be in that place, renovated, beautiful, so, so functional and debt-free three years or so from now sounds absolutely remarkable. And, and I'm, I'm very optimistic that we can get there. Now, 
We've never done a campaign like this before, so you don't know what to expect. So I'm just going to take a few minutes and tell you what to expect, okay? No secrets, no surprises. Um, this is how this is going to go. It's a 10-week campaign. This is week one. The campaign is called Onward for Your Kingdom. Onward for Your Kingdom should sound familiar to you if you've been to our church even a couple of times before. That's a line from our closing prayer that we say as we dismiss and recite together each week. The outline for this series, for these 10 weeks, is that final stanza of our closing prayer. So let's take a look at that together. This is what we stand and recite together each week, and this is how we close that prayer. Onward for your kingdom, we're declaring your worth, finding our worth in you, joining you in the renewal of all things. We're going to spend a couple weeks talking about how we are people who are moving onward for the kingdom of God, for his kingdom, not our own. We're not trying to build our own empires. This isn't about propping anybody up or building anybody's name. This is about the kingdom of God and him alone. Spend a couple weeks on that. We're going to spend a couple weeks focusing on worship. I think it's so important that we recognize we are people who live our lives as a gracious response for God to God who has redeemed us and rescued us. He is our Savior. We live our whole lives as a gracious, worshipful response to what God has done. That's going to anchor us. It's going to center us. The next idea is finding our worth in you. What we're going to do for a couple weeks is focus on our identity in Christ. We are who Christ says we are. We're not defined by our past. We're not defined by our present. We're not defined by our future. We are defined by the rescue of Jesus. He has redeemed us, brought us into the family of God. And so we are first and foremost Jesus people. We're going to anchor in that. And then finally, our mission statement, that we will be joining God in the renewal of all things. That's what we're going to be talking about, or especially I'll be talking about from up front, for the space of these uh, couple of months. You will notice that there are not any giving or money sermons on that list. Um, so if you were coming, like, great, 10 weeks. So 10 weeks of giving talks, awesome. See you in 10 weeks. Okay, deep breath. Um, that's not what we're going to do. Now, look, we're, we're trying to, you know, give a lot of money here. So we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about giving at points along the way. But hear me, it's never going to be the focus. It's not going to be the focus of our church. Our church has never been about money. Why would we make it about money for the next 10 weeks? We're not going to do that. So I've decided uh, to run a capital campaign that is not about capital. Maybe not a great idea. We're going to do that for two reasons. Two reasons. I actually do think it's a great idea. Here are the two reasons we're going to do that. Number one, I want it to work. I'll explain that. And number two, I want it to glorify God. So number one, I want it to work. I don't know about you, I just don't think it is even remotely compelling when people beg for money or twist arms or manipulate or play emotions. I, that does not inspire anything in me other than skepticism, okay? And I think it's sleazy and kind of gross and makes me feel icky. And beyond that, I just think, honestly, seriously, I just think you guys are too smart to fall for that nonsense anyway. I really do. I know I'm biased, but I think we have gathered the most intelligent and reasonable people in all of East Tennessee attend this church. Maybe that's not entirely honest, but that's what I think. And I just think you guys are too smart to fall for that nonsense anyway. So I don't want to do that because I don't think that'll work. And number two, here's the big one. I want it to glorify God. All right, we're not going to like hit pause for 10 weeks on the trajectory of our church being for the glory of God because we happen to be in a giving campaign. Good grief. No, I want this thing to glorify God. And the Bible is so crystal clear. God wants us to give 
cheerfully, and he wants us to give not under compulsion. So far be it for me to try to get you to give under compulsion. I'm just convinced that's what God wants us to do, cheerfully, not under compulsion. And that is why, by the way, we've, in 18 years, we've never passed a plate for offering. Because it, it's not like it's wrong to pass a plate for offering, but it does seem as a means of social pressure to perhaps nudge people to give to some degree under compulsion. And that's not, I don't want money given under compulsion. I just don't. I don't think God needs it. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. He would rather have the stuff that's been given cheerfully as an act of worship. Okay? So that's, our, again, we're not changing who we are for this. Um, we're not going to lose. I know a lot of people are like, I've been through a couple campaigns. It gets real weird. Okay, we're just not going to do that. We're just not going to do that. And you might have to wait and see before you believe it, but like, so, so be it. Um, so because I just believe that all the way down there our toes that, we, that we're not supposed to give under compulsion, we are supposed to do it cheerfully, that means I genuinely have no desire to try to strike the perfect balance of of emotional manipulation over this, like to, to get you to laugh and get you to cry and get you to, get you to decide right on the spot. Like, I think that's gross. I think that's kind of maybe even evil, okay? And this is why I said we're not using one of these outside services that tell you how to do everything. What they do is they, they tell you you need to create like one like magical moment, okay, where everything is just right and you build it up to a crescendo and then you ask people to give. We're just not gonna do that. I don't want you to give in response to some magical moment that we may or may not have manufactured and that may or may not have anything to do with the leadership of Jesus in your life. I just don't want to do that. Here's what we're going to do instead. We're going to do like the opposite of that. Um, we're going to give like several weeks. We're going to sort of runway for us to really seek the Lord how we should give. And then we're going to have three giving weeks, not one magical moment, three weeks toward the end of the campaign. We say this is the time in which we'd love for you to um, give the one-time gift. Some now, maybe some people might need to do more year-end stuff, but whatever. Um, and then a pledge card for the the three-year uh, the three-year time frame where we're going to give above and beyond, so that you can make that commitment thoughtfully, prayerfully, um, and not at all under compulsion. Okay, not even a hint of it. Um, I don't want you to give as much as I can convince you to give. I don't like the sound of that at all. I just want you to give exactly what God tells you to give. That's, and so that's what we're, we're targeting, all right? Now, if you're a guest, super weird week for you. Welcome to the vineyard. Um, <laughs> let me tell you something really fun about being a pastor, and, and actually a choice that I've made. I've, I'm not on social media. I know I brag about that a lot. I feel like, um, I just feel like I'm winning, okay? There's a lot of like, there's a lot of like just gross stuff that I don't have to deal with because I was like, yeah, I'm just not. So anyway, not to brag, but I'm not on social media. And so that means I get to avoid a lot of the icky stuff. And I lead a church that's filled with really nice people. So I just get a lot of positive vibes coming my way. It's a, it's a good way to be. And um, one of the things that I really enjoy is there's a guy in our church. His name is Q. He is, yeah. He's a lot. He's fantastic. He is so much fun. If you don't know Q, you're going to have to fix that real quick. Q's a lot of fun. And one of the things that Q's, Q does um, pretty regularly, um, I think he does it to make sure I know that he's listening, is uh, he will make a meme based on my sermon and then send it to me. Usually sometime while I'm preaching the sermon in the third service. Somewhere right in there, it's like, and there's a meme. I'm distracted. Um, so this is something that he does, and um, I thought I would share some of them uh, with you. So this first one, do you guys remember when I talked about, that's my son Bryce quite a few years ago, when I talked about the sacrificial, or Bryce understanding the gospel for the first time, 
um, through the lens of the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Baymax. If you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert, it's about Jesus. He sent me that in response. Let's do another one. Do you guys remember when I, I was talking about electric cherry blossoms and I said I want somebody to start a band called Electric Cherry Blossoms so I could buy the t-shirt? He sent me that. This is when we turned 18. Happy birthday. We're 18. Remember when I talked about 50 first dates for a bit? He sent me that one. And then in that thing, I made a declaration, as you may recall. I'm Drew Barrymore. And so he sent me that. Because apparently if you say something like that, it needs to live in infamy. And Q's job is to make sure that it does. And then last week, oh, no, yeah, that one too. Remember when I gave Elsa a hard time because she said, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free? Well, again, that was Q's glorious response. This was from last week when I talked about my janky time machine. I drive a Honda Ridgeline. That's why that's there. And that's my head once again. Let's pause there for a second. So, um, <laughs> so it's fun, right? This is, I'm just waiting for the next one. That's, what, that's great. Um, and so I was thinking about this, and I thought, that's made me laugh a few times lately. And I asked, I, I called Q, and I said, hey, man, we're, we're, we're going to try to raise $2 million. Why don't you send me a, Q, uh, a meme in advance of what that makes you afraid of will happen next? So here's what he sent me. And then I found myself squinting to get a better look, and he gave me a better look. <laughs> I just want to point a couple things. 200% more David. Sign me up. Uh, and then I, I love, by the way, that the vanity tags say AA man instead of AA Ron. That made me very happy. And I don't know where he found an actual literal, literal shirtless picture of me. I'm very private. I don't know where he did that. But... Anyway, okay, enough of that. Let's take that off the screen because I want them to listen to me now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't want to know. Okay, so, <laughs> so honestly, I think there's a lot of people, and fair enough, who are just bracing for, oh boy, what's this going to be like? Honestly, it's going to be like going to church at the vineyard, okay? Um, no sales tactics, no... Um, no men of the vineyard calendars. It's, if it, right now, if you're thinking, oh, that's not a bad idea, shame on you. It is a bad idea. That's a horrible idea. Okay. We're just not going to do any of those things. Okay. So what does that mean? Like it just, if it's not going to be about arm twisting or sales tactics or manipulation, then what is it, what is it actually going to be about? And the answer to that is actually really simple. Um, we're going to talk about how to make a wise and godly decision. Because that's really the work that we're doing. Like, that's, that's all we're trying to accomplish, okay? Um, if this is your church family, and again, if you're a guest, real weird. You're welcome, but I know it's weird timing. Um, but if this is your church family, then this is like a huge moment in your world. Like, if this hasn't landed on you in that way yet, then I would, like, I would lovingly challenge you about the role the church has in your life. 
If this isn't bringing ripples into your reality, then I would say maybe you don't have a biblical understanding of the church because the church is central to our day-to-day as the people of God. We're the family of God. We're not supposed to go it alone. We do it together. Okay. So what that means is we have come to an enormous moment in your world. And this puts a really big decision in front of you. How should you give? I mean, this is a big, this is a big moment. How do you weigh your options? How do you, how do you think this through Christianly? Okay, I like that word. How do you think this through Christianly? How would Jesus walk you through this really important process to make a, a significant spiritual financial decision? So that's what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. We're going to be talking about the core of who we are as people, what we're called to do as a church. And we're going to be talking about how do you make a big decision when it's in front of you? And how does the Bible lead us into that? So we're going to spend a couple minutes actually getting started uh, doing that. Um, We'll get a jump on it today. And there's one really big principle. I'm going to read to you from uh, Matthew chapter 6. And I would encourage you, by the way, all of Matthew 6 would be a great place as as you sort of Okay, now we're beginning the process. What does it look like to to weigh our options here and make a wise decision in terms of how we give? Um, Matthew chapter 6 is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. The whole chapter is really relevant. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but the headings in my Bible are how to give, how to pray, the Lord's Prayer, how to fast, God and possessions, and the cure for anxiety. That should get your attention. Um, We're going to start here in verse 24, though. I'm going to read a number of verses, but then we're just going to focus on on one simple idea. But the context that Jesus gives here is actually really, really helpful. So verse 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So it's interesting that he just almost assumes that would be the two masters that are at war for um, our hearts. And so just a quick pause here and just a heads up as we go into this process trying to decide how we should give. Um, here, heed the warning from the Lord where he says, okay, there's something about money. There's just something about it. It's tricky. It wants to grab your heart. It wants to steal your focus. It wants to be an idol. Something about money that lends itself to mastery. There's something about money where our hearts toward it, if we're, if we're not inclined to keep it in check, um, it will, it will demand to be in first position and will not settle for second or third. Okay. So just a little, something about, something about money. Okay, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food? Isn't the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? You could spend some time this afternoon think, trying to answer that question before the Lord. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And here's a really simple idea. If you're a church kid, you probably have this on a coffee mug, but don't just run past it. It's so vital. Verse 33. Instead, Jesus says, 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its, has trouble enough on its own, which is very true. Um, really clear, really clear language. You know, and there's, there's other stuff going there, stuff that's worth reflecting on for sure. But this really basic idea, again, if you're a church kid, you've heard it a thousand times, where Jesus says, hey, there's actually the one thing that you should seek above all others, and that's the kingdom of God. His kingdom and righteous living for him, and then all the other stuff comes along the way. All of it will be added unto you. So um, I actually want to call back just for a second to last week's message, um, and and because what I think is Jesus is doing here is what we talked about doing last week. I think he's inviting us into our own janky little time machines. Um, and if you weren't here last week, I know that doesn't make any sense, but uh, uh, we, we talked about how it's really difficult to anchor in the present moment. And, one of the, and, I'm, and I particularly have a hard time. I'm really future-oriented. And so I said, maybe we can just, one of the, this is actually one of my spiritual practices. I do it like weirdly, probably, I do it a lot, <laughs> a couple times a week. I have to uh, envision myself in my own little time machine. And my time machine uh, is not great. It only goes forward and at regular speed. And the silliness of that reminds me, Aaron, you only have this moment. You've never not been in the present. And looking back and looking ahead, that's okay. But you need to anchor in the reality of who you are now. And from that vantage point, I ask myself, what do I care about the most? What do I really value? Who am I? What really defines me to anchor in our present reality and then evaluate those things? And really, that's what Jesus is doing. We're saying, okay, who am I? What really defines me? What's most important to me? What do I value the most? Now, you want to answer that question on your own, but Jesus really explicitly says, I have the answer for that question. It's the kingdom of God is what is to be central. Um, and then he specifically says, interesting, that, that money is the thing that's most likely to challenge that value, most likely to try to ascend to the throne of our hearts. I've mentioned this a number of times, but I, it just comes to my mind all the time because I think it's really interesting uh, and, and helpful. Um, the word priority, and if you, if you have studied the etymology of it, what you'll find is that the word priority was used in the English language. It was a pretty common word for hundreds, like 500 years before anybody ever pluralized it and said priorities. You, you can, for hundreds of years, we said priority and nobody said priorities because people knew what the word meant. Priority means the one thing that has preeminence over all the other things. So it's sort of a logical fallacy to have priorities, plural. All right. And if you, I mean, we all have to work out our priorities, plural. I'm not trying to correct your language. That's fine. But it's interesting to say, you know, for hundreds of years, a priority was just the one thing and everything else comes later. It's kind of like what Jesus said. I'll read it again, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that priority, and all these things will be provided for you. Um, that's partly why, um, guys, the next couple of months as we do this, they're not going to be about wearing you down. Instead, it's going to be about all of us, hopefully all of us, Anchoring in who we really are, where we really are, what we really value, what our priority, singular, is. We need to nail it down. What's most true about us? 
And that's why, by the way, our focus is going to be this last stanza of our prayer that we say together each week. Because the last stanza of our prayer is our, it's declaring who we are and what we're about. We're people who are moving onward for his kingdom. Not our kingdom, his kingdom. For the glory of God and the well-being of man, for his kingdom we move onward. We are declaring his worth. Again, we are people of worship and delight because we are redeemed by God and our lives are lived as a worshipful expression, a celebration of gratitude because we are the children of God. Through no work of our own, we've been given eternal life. We live our life in a response to that. We finding our worth in him, our identity is in the gospel. It's in Jesus. He is our life. That's what defines us. That's our values. And finally, we're people of purpose, people on a mission, joining God in the renewal of all things. And so, again, first and foremost, we're going to try to just stay anchored in who we really are. As a church, as individuals, we stay present, we stay locked in to what matters most to us, and then really drill in. And that's the work. If you've decided, maybe you're like, yeah, I heard that was going to be the number, and I've thought about it, and I've decided. I want to be like, okay, great. But maybe, maybe just... Hold on for a second and make sure you didn't skip any steps because step one is to really drill in on what your most deeply held values are and then act in accordance with those values. And honestly, one of the things I felt really grateful for all week long is I feel like I don't have to do the work in this church to try to convince you to shift your values. I, I, I'm just, I'm convinced that this is a body of believers who like, by and large, we're just people who are about the kingdom of God. We're just after what he's after. And look, we're all kind of a mess in our own ways. And, and you know, it's absolutely true of none of us. But as a baseline, I, this, is a, this is a body of believers who are about the kingdom of God. That's why I feel so much peace about this process. I don't have to say, oh, shift your life and make it about this. I can say instead, just zero in on what your life is already about. And then make decisions based on that and not based out of lesser values. As, a, uh, as an aside here, you know, I've kind of got a head start on, on all of you guys because, you know, I've said today, hey, next couple of months, decision-making process, we're going to go through it together, blah, blah, blah. I've known this for a couple of months. And Sharon and I have known this and we've known what the numbers would be. And so we're, we've been praying and thinking and sort of processing on our own. And, and we've had a number of conversations about it. And in the process, here's, here's what probably, I probably shouldn't tell you the story, but there's something that, there's, there's a thing that I really want, okay? Um, not need, want. Something I really want, though. And as we've been weighing this out together and saying how much should we give, then it just sort of dawned on me and it became really obvious. The thing that I really want is going to have to wait until after the three-year pledges are finished. That, and I was like, oh, that, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um, not going to lie, when that first dawned on me, kind of stung, <laughs> maybe, maybe kind of a lot. Um, and to be honest, the whole giving cheerfully thing, which is the only way to do it. There's no other biblical way to do it, but cheerfully, the giving cheerfully thing, that was in jeopardy for a minute in my heart. I was like, Ooh, this isn't, I'm not having as much fun all of a sudden. Um, and then, yeah, I decided I was like, oh, here's what I need to do. Here's what I need to do because I want to make sure I'm not losing perspective. I need to hop in my janky little time machine, which I did, the one that only goes forward at a regular speed, which is to say I spent time focusing on what I actually value. And then it just became so obvious. 
the thing that I want is like, it's literally nothing. It's just nothing in comparison to what I actually value in this world. Like it doesn't even register on the scale. It's a zero. It doesn't count. And then I realized that our giving to this campaign does align with what I value the most and what's at my core. And guess what? Then I found myself cheerful about it again. I was like, yeah, this is, this is actually what I want the most. This is what my heart desires the most. And living and walking in accordance with those de most deeply held values is what sets us free, you know? And you guys, I, you know, I screw up a lot um, and um, all the time. But the good news is I'm, I'm not generally speaking the type of person who carries their shame around too heavily. I'm, by and large, there are exceptions, but I'm, I'm pretty good about accepting God's forgiveness receiving restoration, and then moving on, rel relatively unencumbered by the past. You know, we talked about this last week. I have a small little rearview mirror. I don't tend to fixate there, but I will tell you this. When I look back, and this is particularly when I see patterns, when I look back and I realize that I am acting outside of my values, I have a hard time shaking that off. That regret kind of weighs heavily, and it lingers as a way of sticking with me. Um... And so, again, the first thing we need to do is make sure we are acting in accordance with our values. All right, so David is somewhere. He's going to come help us play a little music here as we wrap things up. Um, and in order to do that, um, as we decide how to give, it's, it's just going to, here's what I'm driving for, it's going to take lots of honest reflection. It means none of us deciding based on fear or what other people might think or impulse, that's why we're not trying to rile anybody up, not under compulsion, and also not controlled by lesser values. If I anchor in what I value most, what then do we do? And then we decide from there. And that's what we're going to be working on together. The, the thing that I really, I'm maybe the most hope for coming out of this campaign, it's not hitting a goal. Again, I just feel lots of peace. Um, that, we'll be, that God's always taking care of us. This isn't any different. I'm just not concerned about it. The thing that I'm really hopeful about is that at the end of this period, we come away as a group of people more grounded than we've ever been, more clued in, more aware of what we value the most, more anchored in the business we're about as the people of God. You know why? Because more exciting than raising the money for it, I'm excited about getting over there and taking advantage of all the opportunities that are gonna be open. And if we as the people of God know who we are, what we value, what we're about, we're gonna take advantage of that opportunity in every way and God's just gonna breathe on it. He's gonna breathe on it, it's gonna be so fruitful.